0: Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message from our special guest. Alright, does anyone hear me? Yes, how's everyone doing? It is truly an honor to be here on this Sunday morning. I don't take it lightly, so a big thank you to Pastor Don. You are a special man. And you're a very good tennis player. Yes, you are. With brace or without a brace. But I appreciate you and I really, it's, it's really an honor to be here this morning. So I'm actually part of uh, Hillsong Bali and uh, when Michelle told me about the uh, Become Whole Month and we're discussing the topics and uh, about what's going on, it is an honor to be here. So also Jim, Michelle, thank you so much for, for this whole thing. So give it up for your leadership. Come up. Give it up, give it up, give it up. Um, uh, Before I start, I really want to say something which is really on my heart, which is this, that um, every Sunday we go to church. At least I go to church every Sunday. And the danger of going to church every Sunday, or the danger of anything you do every day or every week, it starts to become automatic and we start to do things just because we do things. But I truly believe that these few moments we spend together is a moment that we can encounter Jesus. And if there's one thing that can transform our being, it's an encounter with Jesus. So before I dive into the Word, I really want to decide together with you that these few moments can change our life. I don't know with what type of story you came into church this morning or what's going on into your life. But I know that the Word of God, that Jesus Christ, can make you leave this building different than how you came in. It can make you leave this building looking different, sounding different seeing different things differently than how you came in this morning. So let's pray. We thank you, Jesus, for this uh, moment of of worship, this moment of of prayer together, the moment of we can dive into the word and know you more. I pray, Jesus, that you will breathe upon this place and every soul in this place, that eyes may be opened and that connections can be made. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all of God's people said... All of God's people said... We got to scream a bit. I mean... I heard that uh, this church is kind of like the most noisy church there is in Bali. So this needs to be manifested this morning. So if I say amen, I need to hear an amen. Amen, church. Amen. Amen. That was better. That was much better. A bit of waving as well. I like that. I like this. is maybe the more anointed side. I like that. Very, very good. Very, very good. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um... I, uh, Of course, a lot of you don't know me, so I think it would be really nice if I just uh, show a, a picture of my beautiful family. So at least there's some background info about me. Uh, this is me on a boat, which I do very often. No, I don't do that very often. Uh, but I was on a boat with my beautiful wife, Melissa, who has been my date for almost 20 years. And up until today, we still date. And all the married people said... Amen. We got to keep dating. We got to keep the fire alive. It's not going to be automatic. These are the two outcomes of our passion. Our two boys, Rocco and Zion, uh, seven and five years old. All the parents with boys know that it's a struggle. It's tough. It's tough. There is not a day that I come home and that there's no fighting at home. And I have a few friends that, uh, that have girls. And every time when I come into their place, I come into their home, everything is so quiet. Their room is structured. The toys are structured. But then in our place, it's a bit of a different story. Hey, who, likes to, uh, who likes to work out? Who's into the healthy living? I think with this whole become whole month, it is kind of a reminder as well you know what becoming whole is becoming healthy is uh do we have any fans of fitness of health and fitness oh for sure for sure right uh if i see i count like five hands there's this is like let me just ask that again like who's into the healthy life can i just see some hands okay a bit more so maybe if i ask it like 10 times more then we'll have more hands uh, but I, I, love, I love the healthy living, right? Not yet on the ha- handstand level, but I, I love healthy living. Uh, who likes running? Any runners here? I need to pray for the spirit of running. Um, I don't like running, to be very honest. I'm not a big fan of running. The only running I do is I run to the toilet, or I run to the car, or I run to the plane. But besides that, I don't like running. But I want to tell you a story about someone that loved running. And his name is Roger Bannister. So if you're into running or if you're into marathons, if you're into like endurance sports, then you might have heard of this name. Roger Bannister was a, a medical student. I have a, I have a slide of him as well, so you'll see how he looks. Uh, but, but Roger Bannister was a, was a medical student in, uh, in England. And um, besides studying, he, he, liked, he liked running. In the running world, there is an iconic event, which is called the four-minute mile. The four-minute mile is a mile, which is uh, 1.6 kilometers. And uh, up until 1954, uh, there was no human being who had ever run the four-minute mile. So no one in the world had ever run 1.6 kilometers in four minutes. And on this day, on the 6th of May, this medical student ran a time of 3 minutes, 59 seconds, and 40 milliseconds. So just below 4 minutes. And because of him, because of this random medical student, 46 days later, there was another person who ran the 4-minute mile. And then a few months later, there were another, there were another people who were actually running the 4-minute mile. And up until, up until today... Like 70, 60, 70 years later, there's been around 1,500 people who have been able to run the 4-minute mile. And what I like about this story is that this Roger Bannister was a random, average medical student who just loved the track and field. He loved to run. And in that time, in the 1950s, there were a lot of Olympic athletes. There were a lot of experts, running experts, like people that knew everything about running. And they they knew that, okay, the four-minute mile, if you want to run the four-minute mile, the weather needs to be 20 degrees, it should be no wind, the track should be hard clay, and it should be done in a stadium with thousands of people that are cheering you on. Without those ingredients, no one will ever be able to run the four-minute mile. Roger ran it during a day where it was a bit rainy. There were maybe 1,000 people in the stadium. He didn't really train according to the Olympics. Didn't really have a coach. He just did his own thing. But he was able to run the four-minute mile. Because of his transformation from being just another medical student who loves to run and becoming this evidence that the human being is able to run the four-minute mile... Other people started believing, they started believing that it was possible. They started to change their beliefs about what a human being was capable of. They started to change their thinking because someone, someone actually made it happen. And up up until that day, like no one was, you know, everyone was kind of like fighting against that benchmark. But because of Roger Bannister, other people started to believe that it is actually possible. And because of that, like I said before, you know, almost 1,500 people followed and ran the four-minute mile. And I believe, church, I really believe that in this life that we have, in this precious life that we have, God calls us to transform us, but he calls us also to transform through us. We are called to be transformed and transformed at the same time. And that's what I want to preach about today. So if you're taking notes, you're taking notes this morning. I assume you're taking notes. This is a very spiritual congregation. You can take notes on your phone or maybe, I don't know, with a pen and paper. But you can write this down, transformed to transform, Because I really believe that God has called us to live this life of transformation. And the transformation never stops with our own life. The transformation goes through into our marriage into our business, into our friendships, into our relationships, and everything that we touch. So we're going to dig into that this morning. So um, who brought a Bible? One person. Okay. Who brought a Bible? Could it could be glowing. Maybe it's supercharged. Yeah. Okay, a few people brought a Bible. This is kind of the spiritual section. This this section, do we have Bibles on this section as well? Or it's, everything is here. We know everything. We know everything. Uh, let's... Uh, Let's open up the Word. Let's open up the Word. Let's open up the Word. Um, Romans 12, verse 2. Which Romans 12, verse 2 is, is actually the anchor text that I want to uh, preach about this morning. And this is the New International Version. Verse 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good pleasing, and perfect will. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me just read it again. Do not conform, everyone say conform, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, everyone say transformed, by the renewing, everyone say renewing, of your mind. Then, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I want to, already highlighted a few of the words, but I want to dig deeper into those. So first word is conform, to conform. The Cambridge dictionary says that the word conform means to become similar, to become similar. I think a great example of conforming is, um, you see it a lot in the animal kingdom. So this is a leopard. This is a leopard. If you don't pay close attention, you don't see the leopard. But the leopard conforms to the environment. There's also another animal, uh, or fish actually, or a squid, like a a Mediterranean octopus. Is that in the category fish? Octopus? I actually don't know. It doesn't matter. Who likes squid, by the way? Is anyone squid lovers here? Yeah? I don't understand you, but it's fine. We can still be friends. Uh, Squid tastes like rubber to me. And I think to you too, no? It's, it's still good. Okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God loves us all. But, but, but what, I lo- what I love about the animal kingdom, and specifically the, this octopus, right? The Mediterranean octopus conforms to its environment. And the reason why it conforms to the environment is from a defensive thinking. Because it wants to be part of the environment so that the enemy will not see it. You know, in 2004, I started working for, uh, for a consulting firm in the Netherlands. I lived in the Netherlands back then, so that's why I started working there. Um, but um, this consulting firm had a lot of uh, alpha male type of guys. alpha so A lot of big mouths and a lot of like chest wide open. And yeah, look at me. Uh, and I, of course, was a, uh, you know... Asian upbringing, shy type of guy. Uh, But I saw that once I started working there, uh, I started to change because I started to conform to this new environment. And we came at a certain point that, you know, back then when I came home uh, with Mel and Mel saw this change. Melissa, my wife, saw this change where sometimes we were discussing things and I talked to her with a kind of an not aggression, but very direct way as if I was in the office. But it kind of resembles things that we experience on a day-to-day basis. Because the moment we get out of these doors and we go back to our lives and our office and our families and our friends, human beings like to conform to the environment. And if we don't pay attention to our behavior then we become a leopard, we become an octopus, and we go with the patterns of this world. To conform means to be similar. Word number two is transform. Apostle Paul talks about be transformed. Cambridge Dictionary says that the word transform comes from the Greek metamorphosed metamorphosis, which means that to change completely the appearance or character of something or someone, especially so that that thing or person is improved. You know, I, I, I like the I like this, this picture of the, the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Um, because transformation, I mean, change is, change is easy, right? To change something is easy. But Apostle Paul is talking about transformation. Apostle Paul is talking about the the, the character. Someone's character is someone's character. Someone's character is not just, oh, he doesn't do that anymore. Someone's character is his identity. Like, it's deep down inside. It's being changed. Just like a caterpillar goes through different stages of transformation and eventually becomes a totally new, new animal, which is a butterfly. You know, I... I think that, uh, that, that change is easy, but transformation is a different story. And I want to share this, this story about uh, my, my date, my Melissa, my Melissa, my wife and, uh, and I. In 2001, we, we met up, um, uh, we, we met, and, and we, uh, we arranged the date, right? We're going to go dating. So we, uh, we said, okay, let's, uh, let's go a date to Antwerp in Belgium. Let's have some Belgian getaway. It's so one day getaway, super nice. So we said, okay, tomorrow let's meet 9 o'clock, Amsterdam station. We go with the train, two hours, we're gonna have a great day. Great! Let's do that. And uh, next day, 9 o'clock, um, Melissa called me, right? It's just, uh, baby, uh, where are you? And um, so I, I pick up the phone, and you know that the voice when you just wake up is pretty low, right? The voice when you wake up is pretty low. So uh, I, I pick up the phone and I said, uh, I'm on the way. Because I was on the way. I was on the way to the toilet, not, not to the station, right? So I, I said, uh, I said I'm, I'm on the way. And then she's like, oh, why is your voice so low? Did I just wake you up? I said, no. I mean, <laughs> no. I woke up like one minute before, right? So I never lie. Um, long story short... Uh, instead of 9 o'clock, I came to the station at 11. Uh, but, of course, a lot of grace, a lot of mercy. She accepted me coming late. And we did go to Belgium. And we had our Belgian fries, our waffles, our Belgian everything. Nasi Belgian, everything Belgian. Everything. And it was great. We had a good day. And up until today, we're still, uh, we're still happily married. So that's good. But the thing is this. Last year, I organized a surprise party for my wife. Which is not the type of thing that the Andrew in 2001 would do, to be very honest. Because to be very honest, my actual nature is kind of not very thoughtful, not very romantic, not very detailed. Did I just describe any men in this place? (laughs) Don't judge a brother, you know, we're all in the same boat. It's fine. There's a future. There's a future and God will still use us and transform us at the same time you know, there's a bit, uh, too enthusiastic applause there, like, you know, we need healing, I know, we need healing, but, uh, so, I I organized a a party for her last year, which was was amazing, which was really a surprise party for her, she really didn't know, and I scored points, I scored a lot of points, which up until today, I'm still using the credits, you know, it's like, uh, it's amazing, it's amazing, so, all the men, you know, I saw some pretty enthusiasm there, like, Surprise party is, I think, like, Valentine's dinner coming on. I mean, you know. Uh, but the thing is this, right? I, I transformed from this not-so-thoughtful guy, like, not romantic at all guy, into, into someone who is paying much more attention to, to what my wife wants. And, and you know what? Like, I believe the transformation, any type of transformation, like deep change, it takes three things. It's time, effort, and strategy. And oftentimes we get so confused because, yeah, who wants change? Everyone wants change. Who wants to change? No one wants to change. I just want the change to happen. And even if they try to change something, they start to slack because the result is not coming fast enough. Is it just me or is it anyone else who's going through these stages sometimes where we think like, we want to change something but it's not coming so I just, never mind. I just go back to my default. Transformation only is the result of time, effort and strategy. So this, this morning I want to talk about these four different strategies that the Word of God has which are which are powerful, which are extremely important for us to be aware of. So if you're writing it down now, strategy number one is to think about what you think. Think about what you think. How oftentimes we you know we go into life and we do the same thing like we did before, and you know any anyone in this place right now goes has a lot of thoughts in their mind, even at this moment, there's a lot of thoughts going through their mind right now. Some of the thoughts might be, "Shall I have some dim sum for lunch or shall I go to Tawan?" as we speak right now we 're thinking about the Picture we posted on Instagram and we're just looking right now. We only got 10 likes. Getting a bit of anxious there. Whatever thoughts you have right now, but everyone in this room on average has around 50,000 thoughts a day. 50,000 thoughts a day. And the interesting thing is that of those 50,000 thoughts, 95%, I repeat, 95% of the thoughts are the same like the day before. So it means that human beings, people, are, per default, a bit like R2-D2. No Star Wars fans? R2-D2 is a robot. <laughs> that means, I, I, I believe that you know if we don't know, we don't know. We can't change what we don't know. So we start to know first. We start to be intentional with our thinking. And if it's 50,000 thoughts we have a day, and 95% of the thoughts are the same, like yesterday, then I can tell you now that the results for tomorrow is going to be the same like today. So we need to intentionally keep on thinking in a different way. So what Paul is saying is, what Apostle Paul is saying in Romans 12 verse 2 is really that the only way for us to be transformed is to renew the mind. Our mind consists of two things. One is our thoughts, where we discuss the 50,000 thoughts we have in a day. And number two is our beliefs. Our beliefs. What is it that you believe? What is it that you believe about yourself? What is it believe that you? What is it that you believe about relationships, about love? You know, when I grew up, I remember when I when I took a shower for the first time by myself. I was like eighteen or something. No, I'm just kidding. I was uh, I don't know. I was like five. Uh, I don't know four. Uh, so I, I washed my hair, right? And, and I don't know why, but washing my hair was kind of like a challenge because. You need to do a lot of things at the same time, and water's coming into your mouth, and I oftentimes swallowed shampoo. Anyone here swallowed shampoo? Am I the only broken person in this place that swallowed shampoo? So every time when I finished taking a shower, I said to my dad, I said, Dad, I swallowed shampoo. Can't be good. He says, don't worry. Just drink some milk. So I'm like, uh, milk is white, shampoo is white, makes sense, give me the milk. So every time I drank some milk, you know, and thought that these chemicals would be flushed away, but you know what, I mean, what, what beliefs do we have? You know, I believed that for a long time, to be honest, until I met Mel in 2001, she said, that's a lie, I said, okay, 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 so I stopped drinking milk because it's dairy and dairy is not so good, guys. All the vegans said. <laughs> but what beliefs do we have? I once saw this video about a, a child. A child of one years old. And this child is walking up to a TV screen. And she's starting to swipe the screen. And nothing happens. She's confused. Why is this screen not doing anything? It's 12 months of things that she saw. Which became her normal. And now suddenly she thinks that every screen she sees can be swiped. What beliefs do we have? If that, if that happens after 12 months of experience, because of those 12 months of this little baby, she thinks that every screen she sees is swipeable. And as you sit in this room together, what beliefs have we embraced into our lives in these last 10, 20 30, 40, 50 years, what is it really that we believe? Because what we believe is also how we operate. Because a lot of the things we believe are maybe because of, you know, dads that wanted to have their child to drink more milk. Or maybe it's teachers that, that, that have had some beliefs, uh, you know, pressed down on you because of their own story. But what beliefs do we have? So we need to really think about what we think. Because if we don't think about what we think, it's going to be difficult to change it. So 50,000 thoughts a day and our beliefs. What is it really that we're pondering upon? Strategy number two is release the old to accept the new. In Ephesians 4 verse 22 until 24, this is the Amplified version. It says this, that regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self. Completely discard your former nature, which is being corrupted through deceitful desires and be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude and put on the new self, the regenerated and renewed nature created in God's image, God-like in the righteousness and holiness of the truth. Living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. Releasing the old to accept the new. When we talk about habits and we talk about like new things we want to do in our life. um, I think we live in a time where we're kind of like hoarders. We like to save. I mean, even if I look at myself and I look at Instagram, for example, I save so many posts. I like to like hoard so many content and information uh, that I sometimes try... I find it difficult to, to let go of some older things. And um, the thing is this. In John 5, the Bible talks about the healing at the pool of Bethesda. The healing at the pool of Bethesda. And, and at that pool of Bethesda, there's a man who's been crippled, who's been, who's been paralyzed for, for so long. The Bible says it's been 38 years. This man has been laying at the pool of Bethesda. And if you know the story, people at the pool of Bethesda, they, they had to jump in the water or touch the water to get healed. That was their belief system. You need to go to the water to be healed. And this man has been, has been laying there for so long. He's paralyzed, doesn't have any friends. And Jesus comes up to him and he asks him, do you want to be made well? This guy apparently doesn't know that it's Jesus. So the first thing he says is like, well, you know what, I mean... I've been here so long at the side of the pool, and you know, I don't have any friends who can bring me to the pool. And every time I'm close to the pool, other people already step in. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a difficult story for me. I'm kind of like a victim in this situation. And then this, uh, then Jesus says this, right? So, <clears throat> verse 5, it says this. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity, a weakness, 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? In verse 8, Jesus says, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. What I love about this is that oftentimes we have certain belief patterns, certain things we we have always taken for truth, that we need to go to the water to get the healing. If we don't go to the water, we cannot get the healing. But in this case, Jesus is showing the water is coming to the man. The water is coming to the man. The man didn't even know that it was Jesus. But Jesus says, just rise up, take your man and walk. And the man was healed. The man was healed oftentimes we need to really let go of these old beliefs that we have so that the new beliefs can really get planted in our being, in our thinking, and in what we do. Point number three. Strategy number three. Strategy number three. Is think heavenly, not earthly. Think heavenly and not earthly. Paul wrote in Colossians 3 verse 2. This is the amplified version. Set your mind and keep focused habitually. The word habitually comes from habits. So as a habit, set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. You know, habits are, are something interesting because I truly believe that our habits uh, shape Uh, shape our life. Our habits shape our life. It's not what we say is going to shape our life. It's what we do is going to shape our life. I oftentimes have an argument with my seven-year-old son. I may be the only one. I'm not sure. We're going to find out. So this argument is about his clothing, his baju, his his, his t-shirts and pants that are lying on the floor. So I tell him, I said, to Rocco, you need to pick that up and just put it back in the, in the closet, you know, just clean it up. Yeah, I know. He says, yeah, I know. I said, that's great that you know. We agree upon that. But it's not the knowing. You need to actually pick it up. Yeah, okay, I know, I know, I know. And then he starts to play soccer. So I need to pull him back again. You need to pick it up. You need to do it. You need to do it. You need to actually act upon it. Habits are interesting because habits take time. And uh, if you, uh, if you have, does anyone here have a gym membership who likes to go to the gym? Any gym fans, gym sharks, gym fanatics? Three people again. Okay, it's the same people. That's good. Some shy gym sharks, gym fans. But well, it's interesting when you look at gym subscriptions, right? In January, gyms are full. Because everyone wants to be healthy in 2020. I can tell you now, in 2021, January, the gym is going to be full. Super full. February, not so much. March, not so much. In April, it's going to be empty. Because people don't see the transformation that these brochures and that TV is saying that they will get. You know, habits take around 63 days to become an actual habit. And when we talk about this word, right, where the Bible is saying, keep focused habitually on the things above. That means as a habit, we need to keep focusing on the things above. It's easy when we're in this place together, in this safe place of church with like-minded people, that we are focused on the things above. But the moment we go out of this door, the distractions already happen. The moment we go out of this door and we go back to our families, our schools, our work, our colleagues, our friends, distractions happen. And then it's, it's pretty tough to habitually, as a habit, keep focused on the things above. Habits go into three, three stages. Every habit we, we want to implement into our life go to three stages. Number one is um, destruction, our destruction of our old habit. Because for sure, for instance, if we want to go to the gym, then we cannot watch TV. So it takes 21 days. Before this phase in this old habit is destroyed. Then we go into the next stage, which is the confusion stage. 21 days. And this is usually the stage where people were fired up in January. January, February, they're like, "Mm, that TV is quite nice. Oh, I just saw Netflix release a new series. so I'm just going to stay home right now. I'm not going to the gym. No, no one here. Everyone is dedicated. I like that. But the number two stage is called confusion. Because we get confused if we don't see the results. We're result-driven human beings. For sure, if you go to the gym for a long time and you don't see that your abs are are adding or or kgs are, are dropping, you're like, what am I doing this for? Let's just go back to the TV because Netflix just released a new episode of You. And stage number three is called integration. And it lasts 21 days. So that's in total 21 days, 21 days, 21 days. It's 63 days. So if you pass these 63 days, then this new habit will actually become a habit. And then we can say, if we intentionally say we need to focus on things heavenly. We need to focus on things that really matter in the eyes of Jesus. And not so much in the eyes of us, but in the eyes of Jesus, would this really matter? You know, And if we think about those 50,000 thoughts and the beliefs that we have, what are really the beliefs that Jesus put in your mind? So focus habitually on things above. Point number four. strategy number four is what you think. What you think is what you get. What you think is what you get. You know, you remember those situations where suddenly you're like, "Ah." Oh, I hope that's not going to happen. I hope it's not going to happen. Especially when you have kids, right? You're always like the moment they go out of the door or they play outside. I'm thinking, oh, maybe they get kidnapped by someone on a, on a scooter. Or they play soccer somewhere in the street. Oh, and maybe they get hit by a car. It's always about, oh, yeah, what could happen? What could happen? It's filling our mind. You know, it's filling our mind. But what you think about yourself, what you think about your marriage, what you think about is oftentimes something which is going to manifest in your life as well. Philippians 4 verse 8. The English Standard Version says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. True. Honorable. Honorable just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there's any excellence or anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I, I once read an article about the structure and the approach of advertisement. Where you talk about advertisement in social media or online or offline, but advertisement in general. And they analyzed all these types of advertisements that you see. And they, and they, they came to the conclusion that the main message, the main belief that advertisers want to, want to let you believe is that you are not enough. You are not enough. And because you're not enough, you need to buy this car. And because you're not enough, you need to buy this lipstick. And because you're not enough, you need to buy this clothing. And because you're not enough, you need to go to have this holiday. Because you're not enough, you need to buy this house. And it keeps on going. And it's easy if we expose our minds, expose our eyes to things we see on our feet, things we see or we talk about with our friends. And this red line is going to be, you are not enough. All we need to do is, instead of focusing on what, media saying, or what those type of creators are saying, content creators, we need to start focusing on what our creator is saying. And our creator is saying beautiful things because God's thoughts about you are from another level. You know, in Genesis 1 verse 27, it says that I created you in my own image. I created you in my own image. Exodus 14 verse 14, it says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Isaiah 40 verse 29, it talks about, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Psalm 139 verse 14, it says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a fearfully and wonderfully made church. I don't know how you came in church this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what thoughts or beliefs are, are in your mind, even as we speak right now. But I know that if we are intentional with our thinking, and we really know that you know, if we focus on these thoughts that we have on a day-to-day basis, the thoughts we have about our marriage, about our relationships, about our health, and we kind of erase what what the media is saying, we kind of erase what all these advertisements are saying that you are not enough, and we start to occupy and transform our mind that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and you are made in God's image. What if church is that we? start to embrace these thoughts, we're going to live differently. We're going to sound differently. We're going to treat our husbands and wives and our children and our friends differently. Because once we transform internally, we can transform externally as well. And I really believe that God called us to not just be transformed, but to transform through us as well.